Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Morgan. Happy Thursday. Happy episode 179. Yeah. Is that right? One, no, not 179. Nope, that's what I wrote in my notes. What so. is it? Uh, 172. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's right. I actually had to check because I thought 172. It was not 172. I, I kept saying thinking 179? it was 179. Do you think I'm kidding you right now? You wrote that in your notes. Yeah, I did. But what what would give you? Oh, today's the ninth. Oh, I just looked at my phone. Five five five. Weird. weird. Okay, wait. Uh, weird. One seventy nine. One seventy nine. Fucked up. Uh, we don't really. I don't know why that happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, interesting. So, so guys, we had an eventful last couple of days. We yeah. went uh, taste testing yesterday. We did. We went taste <laughs> testing, and then we just got served a meal. Yeah, for Morgan's uh, wedding, and me and Logan got to be hers and Aaron's special guest. It was fun. It, it was, was fun. It was so funny because the table was a conference ginormous circ- like, circle table. You couldn't like in this picture I took. It's actually the scariest picture I've ever seen in my life. But you don't know who's the head of the table. Like you no. can tell though, everyone's vibe is like I'm the head of the table. But then Taylor's like, no, I'm the head of the table. And Logan's like, no, I'm the head of the table. And Aaron's like, no, I'm the head of the table. Because yeah. we were all the heads of the fucking king's table. It was, and we all had, where were the it, poker cards? We were all like doing the business hands <laughs> in the picture. Because I don't know how else to sit at a table like that, other than right. just like I'm in a business meeting, so I'm gonna sit with my shoulders back right. and my hands together on the table. Yeah, and that's it. It was crazy. Yeah, that and the picture is hilarious because it does look like we're at a real estate office like purchasing a commercial property together it's like we're about to play like a serious game of poker yeah it's so intense the picture is incredibly intense and we all have waters in front of us <laughs> yeah that no food just water that's like a seance vibe it yeah. was nuts you can depending on what angle you look at it it could be whatever you want it to be right a dark seance room check <laughs> check business meeting absolutely Real um, estate. Real estate. Check. Purchasing. Yes. Casino back room. Check. 100%. The high end room. Check. Yeah, that's it. It was crazy, guys. Yeah, that's what it looks like. What else did we do since? When the hell did we talk to you guys last? I feel like it's been forever. Um, um, we were going to do something on Saturday, Friday mm-hmm. for Ollie's birthday. Oh, yeah. But it was so fucking cold. So it was frigid. We were going to meet at Balter Beer Works and then, well, we were going to go on a walk and then meet at the brewery yeah but didn't happen because i got there a little early started walking ollie i was just like i'll just meet you guys at the brewery so cold couldn't feel my hands aaron's in shorts shorts it's 35 degrees out yeah freezing fucking cold i texted him i said abort get out because we would have to sit outside of the brewery and we're like Mm -hmm. oh they have heaters there we'll be fine because it's set 49 but it was like a feel like 35 no sun windy it was cold as fuck and like it was it's that southern cold where it's like all-encompassing in a way like it feels like you're in cold water when you're outside yeah it was horrible you know it's not even like a dry like you know you can escape it no it's in your bones yeah so we aborted that mission but did we do something saturday i feel like i've seen you i I know i don't think so though no i haven't seen you this week we did talk a lot like this weekend what did i do saturday you uh I my mother-in-law came in town we texted that morning you know what happened Saturday you don't know what happened Saturday or is that Sunday okay wait I know what happened this weekend Me too. I am in 
auntie. Yeah. And I am too, by default. By default, my so, sister had a baby. A baby. Little baby boy. He's just sweet, sweet baby yeah, He's so sweet. And I just, mm. just want to go and give him all the smoochies in the world. I just Even though I know that's him. not allowed. We're not going to be kissing anybody. But, but I'll give him air smoochies. I would love to smell. Just smell what just fresh, delivery, fresh baby fresh vagina, vaginal no, delivery no no fresh baby <laughs> fresh baby there's a just certain smell I yeah know no, what i know what you mean puppies have it too yeah yeah it's like so i don't know what it's en- encompasses a mother yeah females females because we have motherly instincts. it definitely it definitely does i wonder if it hits a man like it hits a woman because for something for some reason yeah. the smell of a baby I'm like, oh, I can like sniff it out. Like I'll be walking by a person with a stroller and I'll be like, that's a brand new baby. Yeah, that's a brand new bitch (laughs) right there. I'll tell you what, that's a brand new brother. I'll tell you what. And then I'll have to be like, oh my God. This is sweet. It's sweet, baby. Yeah, so sorry Marley had a baby. Yeah, so we have sorry baby. We have sorry baby. We have sorry baby. Immediate merch line. That's he was not an accent so no don't get no. that twisted but he was sorry baby because sorry marley no he's sorry marley's mother <laughs> sorry marley is his mother so by default he's once sorry again, baby he is sorry baby that could be a whole brand it gets really fucking cute kids brand sorry baby sorry baby yeah that's cute any if i TM. see a fucking sorry baby i'm coming for you legally let, let me tell Law you something suit. this is the baby that makes me an aunt so yeah. the first baby in the family and it makes my mother beth ann a Officially. grandmother and does anyone want to guess what her name is i'm dying it's bb baby she's Boo-boo. sorry bb sorry baby that yep and we sorry bucky yeah Sound, that tracks yeah i don't know what my dad's gonna be called like he's he definitely gives off like a pappy vibe definitely like he's 100 percent pappy yeah it's not like grandfather bucky no 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 like grandpa buck yeah <laughs> that could be one though. grandpa yeah it had to be paul but like my grandpa my father-in-law will end up being grandpa bucky you know what i think bucky might do i think bucky is gonna let it be assigned well no he said already he goes what he already said well, none of my kids call me dad, so I guess he'll just call me Bucky too. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's gonna be BB and Bucky. That's kind of cute, though. That's really cute, BB and Bucky. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Like, where's your Bucky? Right. I'm gonna go to my. Where's Bucky's your Bucky? House. I'm gonna go to my Bucky's house. Like that. And, and everyone here knows that Bucky's not his real fucking name, but me. So. <laughs> I guess it does make sense. My man's name is Mark. His name is not. It's literally not. His name is fucking Bucky. Government name. That's really cute. Yeah, BB. Oh, my kids call me dad, so you know that baby's gonna be calling me Bucky. Oh my god. This this is a great idea. What? So the reason this is fresh on my mind is because I'm making matchbooks for this house. Um that like are gonna put I'm gonna put in a in a tray and then resin over it saw it on tiktok oh no i'm not gonna put resin over it. i'm gonna put it in like a little ba- basket so that when like people come to visit my house they can have like a like when you go to a fancy bar you take home a set of matches and Sounds i'm like gonna a fire hazard do it <laughs> i'm gonna do it for this house i'm gonna make one for this house like i made it a logo with like the address on it mm-hmm. just so like in 
20 million years from now when your kid's going through one of your fucking purses and they find a matchbox and it says like my address on it and it says like all the stuff and you're gonna they're gonna be like what the fuck is this what is this a bar and you're like oh no that was on ttt's house that was the first house that they bought and you're like your legacy yeah it's i'm lighters i'm creating a legacy is what i'm doing but that's just like the one thing that me and logan have done for like everything wait i forgot to tell you this so they're cleaning out my glu- my glutters my glutters they're cleaning out my gutters today and he pu- pulls out throws something blue down on the ground he, and uh our landlord's like what is that and he's like ah some lighter i'm like who the hell was on the roof smoking not me but you know what we did have an outdoor blue lighter that we kept out there in the bottom of Maybe the grill. A, I bet a bird took it or something. I bet a bird fucking took it and put... Because I looked like a all little, like... Uh, yes, like yeah. a Zippo lighter. Well, it's sitting in my driveway right now. Is it a dark blue or a light blue? It's dark blue. Yeah, that's mine. That was... In the gutter. That's what we had I'm out like, there. I'm like, well, you know, to the landlord, I'm like, I don't really know who would be up on your roof smoking, but... um. What doesn't it sound like Taylor of Logan. Doesn't sound like Morgan and Logan, though. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like Morgan and Logan. Not at all. Or Taylor and Aaron. Or Taylor and Aaron doesn't sound knows. like them. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was funny. That just brought, brought it up. So your legacy <sighs> truly is. A My le- it truly is. It makes sense. That tracks. Yeah, it does track. So I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to. Anyways, we're so going with this. You need to make a matchbook for your parents that say BB and Bucky in a really cute like gas station logo. Oh, like Bucky's. Yeah, like Bucky's, but like um, I'm seeing like 70s letters. What if letters. they called him BB and Bucky like B-U-C-E? Oh, is that like gas station-y? Wait, B-U-C-E? Is that how they spell Bucky's? You or know those motherfucking kids are only going to be able to spell, spell it how they spell it, and that's how it's spelt. Fucky. Yeah, exactly. I think I spelled my um, mom's name wrong for like 10 years. Well, I always used to space out Beth and Anne. Yeah. And I couldn't comprehend why she didn't have a middle name. <laughs> I'm like, so your middle name's Anne. She's like, no, I don't have a middle name. <laughs> I'm like, that they doesn't. That's na- literally <laughs> illegal. You have two fucking names that I'm saying right here. Beth and so, so I would always space it out capital A, but it's all one word. Yeah, it's all and one she word. has no middle name, which is like, why would they do that? Why would you just put them into one when we got the two? Right. Just yeah so stupid that's crazy sorry grandma yeah you're like you dumb that's just dumb, stupid though dumb. give her a middle name everyone else got one <laughs> would you she the only one yeah i guess that she got two in the front yeah you don't get two in the back when you got two in the front i guess not I guess not man what is my dad's middle name he bucky <laughs> oh i know it oh okay 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 Good i was concerned i'm like wait is that not well my thing? dad's got a, approximately 32 different names so yeah. that was a thing for me to understand yeah that didn't make sense it, huh it really didn't i was like so you're telling me that he had a name and other parents and then my current grandparents stole him and now he's got and new they names? changed his name when they kidnapped him and new last names this is crazy what and is then it? mom you've got two last names because when I met my mom for the first time, her last name was not her last name. What was it? Her maiden name. Oh. Yeah, because like I didn't get married until like, I was a little no. bit older. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it was just so concerning for when me. When I met my mom. When I first met my mother, when I came out of the womb. When we went to the coffee shop together when I was approximately two years old. Exactly. The first time I <laughs> met her. She had a different last name. When she introduced she herself said, formally to me. <laughs> it was a completely different name from than what I heard. Completely different. The first person. thing I thought her name was was mom. 
and that was really fucking no that is crazy that's a crazy do you remember having like wait hold on so nana's name is not nana right (laughs) she has a whole fucking three names i got my grandmother we called her granny nanny Uh it was grandma nancy granny nanny granny so that one was easy for me to track Mm -hmm. but for some reason we called my other grandma grandma started with an e Mm -hmm. and i could never track it because her name is like we'd also call her grandma betty and i come to find out maybe edit this out actually fuck it leave it come to find out we called her a last name of like i think of like an ex-husband for like the longest for all those years you just yeah. used her ex-husband's name yeah damn no that's what's your grandma name gonna be oh you know it's gonna be something crazy it's gonna yeah. be it, something absolutely i want mine to be grandmother no i don't want all that i, I want to be but i have a very specific type of grandmother that i plan to be Right, but well, I want to be like rich grandmother. Yeah, I want to be like you have an you have an endowment. You're See, coming your I way. fall I fall between I <laughs> don't you know if I want to be like Gilmore uh, Emily Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls, which is like old money, proper, classy, fucking lady, a lady. Mm-hmm. But there's no fucking way I could pull that off. Yeah, but I think we could with the grandkids. Yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, I kind of want to be the grandma that. They're like, yeah, my grandma's going to come to Parents Weekend Bar and go bar hopping with me and all my college friends. Like, I want to be that grandma. Wait, the- that not just freak you out? No, the ice melted. It's okay, been moving around. Yeah. Just- the ice has been melting behind me. It's I've been waiting for it to drop really hard on the straw. Yeah, it just did. Did a full yeah. circle. So anyways, I go back and forth between what type of grandma I'm going to be. But then I also go back and forth between if I'm even going to be a well, mom like, I think to be a be grandma. Fun. I think it would be fun for us to play role like an old money lifestyle. Yeah, me too. Like, and so our kids are like, oh, are they we- think that we're fucking rich as shit. Right. Like, old money. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But like we still have a lot of fun with them. So we're still really lenient. They we're get fun. whatever they want. So we're that like way the Hamptons that moms. way we're their favorites whether yeah. it's mom's side or dad's side mm-hmm. it doesn't matter we throw the nice we have parties to be the favorites with servers we yeah. take them on vacation yeah they want to be with us yep i think so too i think so too i think so too and i think that how if we have sons how are we going to um, god deal with them getting married I, do you think we're gonna be crazy boy moms no i think as long as they bring me know. someone that i can fuck Vibe with, with then everything's good i don't care i really don't but like if you brought me some psycho crazy bitch i'm gonna fuck her up i'm gonna literally kill her do you think that's what like people think about us (laughs) yeah probably they're like they're the psycho crazy bitch i mean think about i think they like oh they're really cool I mean, I, I feel know. like it takes a little bit. I mean, I I know the exact moment that my mother-in-law like realized like, oh, I, I kind of fuck with her. Like, I remember it. I yeah. remember it changed. The relationship shifted. But the difference between you and your mother-in-law and me and my mother-in-law is that you've known your since before you knew who you were. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So she be not everything about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She so do be knowing. She's, she, she treats you like a kid, you know? Yeah like you're one of her kids which is nice to have it is nice yeah Yeah. that's really nice i do appreciate yeah i that's really fun and my my mom but sometimes it feels like having two mothers it does and And that's a lot yeah yeah well my my mom as a whole is enough mothers for three lifetimes you know (laughs) the whole wide world so she will make sure and mother you and uh i don't need anybody else to mother me i think everybody can see that in me because 
If you tell me what to do, I'm absolutely going to do everything but that one thing you just told me to do. Exactly. Just because you demanded me in a weird weird tone. I hate that about myself, but it just seems like I get some mad respect for myself. So... (laughs) I'm gonna get some, kind of build that rapport yeah you know you're just gonna make sure that i know where you stand with me and you know where you stand with me and i know where i stand with myself yeah well we're fucked if we have to edit this out because well that was our whole intro wow um let every me just time i think she said it's fine okay well it doesn't matter if we have to edit out oh my god wait yeah that matters the entire intro yeah okay so we got the clear from we got the clear from this sis. From sorry, She's Marley. She's posting this week. So it's in. <laughs> it's going to stay in. <laughs> so anyways, um, I guess we've talked your head off enough, but I will ask you what you're the CEO of this week and oh. um, how you are sticking with your 2024 goals so far. Do you remember them? No. Oh my God, we forgot to tell him about the prediction. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we did the prediction on Pipe and Hot Goss. Uh, yeah, on Pipe Patreon, Pipe and Hot Goss for the patreon 55 intro and we did the meditation where we saw the things come to us and we eerily had like similar, similar things. things it was weird yeah it but long so we wrote it down mm-hmm. so we didn't speak on it and it, the yeah. whole meditation's on patreon yeah the full thing and we like discussed it after but i'll tell you what my three things were and morgan will tell you what her three things mm-hmm. were and y'all take it for whatever and the thing the intention was and we on there like discussed like interpreting it in various ways like for society for ourselves da, 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 da. but uh morgan not taylor's promise no no don't bring that up because i'm already falling behind uh morgan if y'all know that i go to fucking patreon but anyways um my three things and interpret them however you want whether they're for me as an individual but we set it for like whatever 24 2024 is to bring whether that's to the earth to us whatever three things that i saw was like a spotlight or a god ray is how i described it of sun and the moon and then i saw a prairie with like a a flowing grass shape and women like dancing in it and uh in like sheer it looks like a cult scene it looks like the scene from a cult movie in mm-hmm. a prairie with just like, like midsummer sun sunshine rain was the important part of that and then the third thing i saw was like i zoomed out of the, these scenes like the moon the sun raised the prairie and it was three different infinity circles stacked on each other and then my vision like shifted like if you turned your phone you know what i mean you know what I'm talking about? yeah and it was 888 so that was so my last cool. thing. Okay, well, this is what I saw. I saw a, um, I was on the beach. I was holding hands or some, there was a couple on the beach. Mm-hmm. They were holding hands. There was a little child, like six or seven years old. I don't know. And then there was a, like, swap scenes by, like, this, like, like she- shimmery sheer sheet. And it was, like, kind of, like, light purple, almost white, which, like, really tied in Taylor's Because they were both meadow and, like, shifting. I drew it. And yeah. she was like, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And then I also saw a pine tree, like, like almost like a Christmas tree, but, like, a it was just in the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, like, Christmas lights or decorations. It was just the shape of a pine tree, which we thought that maybe because... I don't know. We were talking about something Christmas. I don't remember before. what we were talking about. But then about. I also smelled burnt weed. Burnt weed. And that's it. Ocean. Oh, and I smelled cotton candy. And you smelled cotton candy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So th- those were our predictions. What are you the CEO of? Um, I don't know this week. I'm the CEO of being an auntie. Being an auntie. I am the CEO of... I- iPad kid iPad kid I can can I change my CEO sorry sorry baby 
I'm the CEO of my Nintendo Switch. Mm, no. I'm on you it. Fall, well, I fell back into the doodling on the iPad. I'm playing Animal Crossing hardcore. Yeah, me and Morgan are violently in like a, how can we disassociate in a healthy way right now? Yeah. For no reason, really. Just, I guess maybe that's part of a resolution. I haven't I looked at my Switch in a year yeah. and a half. No. I, when was the last time we touched these? Yeah. It's been a minute. Sometimes. We need to get back into it. Sometimes I touch mine. Yeah, I, I touch mine to like grab it and like look at something. We haven't been bringing them in or using them, which we need to. What I'd really like to do is get a little, um, the iPad stand, because you know how you can share your screen. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. like you could put something totally different on that while also mm -hmm. like two monitors. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been doing to practice. <laughs> I had the grand idea that, you know what I could do? I could hand paint tiles. Wow. I'm not gonna fucking do that. Uh, there's already a mural on my wall that's about to be covered up tomorrow. So <laughs> I need to not. I'm, you win some. And I'm then the you CEO lose some. of being arrested from because of home projects that are artistic projects that I have no capabilities in. So there's that. You know, like a mural painting, probably not remember my fucking you, thing. Remember when you were gonna be able to fully refurbish and repaint your entire kitchen cabinet tree yeah. in a week? Yeah. I would have been able to do that. No if, way! If everyone would have had faith in me, I would have been able to pull it off. Simply, I would have done it. It would have been halfway painted. No, it would have happened. No it one had like the mural done. No, 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 no one had faith in me. I would have fucking done it if everyone had faith in me. Again, the mural. No one had faith in me. <laughs> Again, I had faith in you in the mural. You got you did honestly. I did. I thought it was cute as fuck. I thought you for sure could do it. Yeah. And, it, and I think you doubted yourself. You were way too close to it because far away, your outer frame, it looks good. It looks you, fine. Yeah. You, but the, the issue was, is it looked great the first time, the first go around. It was the correcting that got me because I was correcting things and it kept getting thicker and thicker yeah. and thicker and thicker. But the first go around, if I would have just left it be. See, I just like, I just, you're so artistic and you're so good at painting and drawing and being creative. But I don't think, not to be doubtful, you could never be an artist. No. You would go mentally no. insane because you're too much of a perfectionist. That's my downfall. And you would, you would fuck up. Like, it'd be great at the beginning, but then you would fuck it up because you would keep doing stuff to it. That's why, like, digital art is my thing. Yeah. The ability to click back because you can't do that in real yeah. art, like, hand-painted art. You can't right. fucking do that. No. So start over. Get a, I scrap everything. That's what I do. I mm -hmm. literally I made a whole art piece out of shit I scrapped. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's though. what my fucking like. That's what my thing is. Scraps, scrap art. Scrapbooking. It's called scrapities. Scrapities. Scrapity doo da. Scrapity doo das. Okay, and then my New Year's resolutions. Am I upholding them? I don't even remember what they were. Yeah. Um. um I would say like I am like in an upward path right now. I my notes are slacking mm -hmm. but that's <laughs> i didn't mean to be like, mm, like <laughs> no it's okay i no, agree. they're not no i just meant, i was just being like okay i'm listening but to like you. Um, it wasn't me being, being like, yeah, on bitch. top of things i'm slacking but i'm hoping because we start our new schedule this upcoming monday mm -hmm. that that will kind of like kick me in gear yeah um i think for mine i'm doing a really good job with the spiritual practice that i want to be putting in I think I'm doing it. I, I know because I'm making it a conscious effort to like move and go do and get out. And like I got my fucking walking pad in here. Mm -hmm. I walked four miles the other yeah, day. Yeah, you've been going to bar a lot. Yeah, I've been going to uh, not 
not bar. Well, it is a bar class though, right? No, it's a plot. My Pilates reformer class. So I'm oh. on the thing. I'm not on a bar. And that's this is when we swing around on the things. What? Yeah, that dude, that's why I like it. You sit, you lay horizontal the entire workout. You're connected to ropes. Yeah, like you pull like these pulley systems and those are your workout with your own body weight. That's it's so fun. Um, if you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Um, so I am having a little bit of an obsessive time watching TV shows and doing notes, paper and pen. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing today. And this story is based off of the Unsolved Mysteries, Volume 2, Episode 4. Their episode is called Tsunami Spirits. Mm-hmm. So before I watch this i was hmm, i was looking for something that was like very scary and like very haunting and this is just an overall very sad tragic ghost story on march 11th 2011 at 14 46 japan standard time like 2 26 p.m i guess their time yeah I'm, I'm assuming yeah um there was an undersea mega thrust earthquake that had a magnitude of 9.1 on the scale and it occurred in the pacific ocean which was 45 miles east of the oshaki peninsula of the tohoku region of japan so the tohoku region is north of tokyo Mm-hmm. And it's like if you're looking at a map, uh, Tokyo, and then it's like a big giant region. But more specifically, where this earthquake and what would follow would hit is a little area slash town called Ishunomaki. Okay. Okay. I think I said that right, too. This was the most powerful earthquake that was recorded in Japan in history. And it was one of the largest earthquakes reported worldwide right so this today is still the largest earthquake that has ever came off japan's coast that's crazy the earthquake itself lasted for six entire minutes oh my god and it was preceded by a number of large foreshocks with hundreds of aftershocks reported so it was non-stop rattling buildings collapsing it was bad yeah the residents of the area knew what was coming next and they had approximately 20 minutes to get the hell out of dodge yeah and they needed to evacuate from what was already a crumble and debris filled town so imagine an evacuation order with the streets being cleared and then imagine an evacuation order where you may or may not be able to get out of your workplace your because it's the time of day people are at work Mm -hmm. your apartment buildings uh the hospital because it's there's debris everywhere and then the roads aren't even clear. Right. So a lot of people were unable to follow the evacuation order. Ugh. But they knew that they were about to be hit with a tsunami. But they never could have imagined the size of this tsunami that was about to sweep through their town. It felt like almost instantly when water came rushing towards them. Sweeping away cars hit the airport first. So sweeping away the planes. Oh my large God. fucking bodies of mechanical debris coming right. towards you. Cargo Swe- that didn't get put on. Right. Like- I mean, think about all what's at an airport. Yeah. Sweeping away cars, planes, homes, buildings, at least 101 designated tsunami evacuation sites that people were evacuating to were swept away by the wave. 
Its maximum height was 131 feet high and it just kept coming wave after wave. So this tsunami and this earthquake was so large that it broke icebergs off the Salzburger ice shelf in Antarctica, 8,100 miles away. Oh my God. It was a, what broke off was a 31,000 acre of ice that broke into the acre. That broke into the ocean. That's how large this earthquake was. And that's how large this tsunami was. God. While the earthquake and tsunami were devastating in itself, it was followed by a horrible snowstorm. Oh, my God. On top of this, snow would not stop falling as the tsunami, like leftover waves, kept coming in. So people that were above high ground but were probably drenched couldn't even get warm because it was downpouring snow and it was zero degrees Celsius outside which is 32 degrees fahrenheit oh my god freezing cold and and this tsunami is also like a mud tsunami right think of think of it like that and also debris tsunami at some point because it's just getting sucked back out and then coming back in freezing oh yeah it's literally a scene off of that movie what was it day after tomorrow it's like in new york city when a big tsunami wave comes over and then it freezes yeah i think that's called i think it's called day after tomorrow terrifying movie it's a scene from that The official release in 2021, because they never got like a full count until then, and still there is not a full count to this day, reports that there was 19,759 confirmed deaths, 6,242 people injured, 2,553 people that were still missing and unaccounted for. And today there is still 228,863 people still are placed in a temporary housing or they have permanently relocated. So up and left their home. Almost three hundred, almost 220,000 people. How many years has it been? 2011, 12, yeah. 13 years. 13. It feel, I feel like this, like... I don't remember this. I remember this so vividly we were in white. I, me and my parents followed it like all the way through on the news like we were just you like know maybe me. briefly i i could remember some videos but if especially if i wasn't on social media i would then, probably have not have paid attention and also i've watched every single doc i've never okay i've watched every documentary about this i have never once came across a fucking paranormal and i had no idea yeah I mean, it makes sense, yeah. but I've wa- I've I've watched so much about this because it I it just really like blew my mind. I never had oh seen God. water no, it like was that. So you hard know? to to watch this episode of Unsolved and also Mysteries like with because- the ca- Katrina around it too. Like just seeing how powerful it was like back to water is back Dude, to back. It feels like. Did you know there was a tornado that hit Panama City today? Yeah, like, I flattened did. It. I woke up this Horrible. morning to, uh, or I was following all the alerts. I'm uh, assuming that's the weather we got. Yeah, it came up through. Yeah, did you want? Did you see that it's system? Like, it looked it like, like a perfect, like it was red, and then the perfect red behind it, and that's where all those tornadoes were, and that thicker part at the bottom. No, oh my I god, get, I didn't look at it. I was that's crazy. My phone was bzz, 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 one yeah. warning after another this morning. Yeah. With all of the loss of these people, so whenever the tsunamis settled down and it started drying up and they're recovering bodies and people are looking for their family members or friends or co-workers their loved ones in japanese tradition you cremate your body mm-hmm. but because the nuclear power plant was now gone yep. there was no way to cremate these bodies no one could have a funeral um therefore they were forced to bury their dead in the ground God. and then later 
whenever they had power again, they would remove them from their grave and cremate them one after another. It was absolutely devastating. You have people that are trying to go through the grief grief process and they're having to unbury their loved one's bodies which brings up a whole other thing also but like i guess with the customs right in this tradition it would be that that's what you were you know a closure so this must have been an incredibly a spiritual like process they showed they showed a video of it oh it was terrible it was just body after body after body being carried into this crematory oh my god Um, but someone who was feeling both sides of this was the reverend of the sudai temple and i'm gonna come back to him but i want to mention that he at this part of the documentary he is like there he's there with the mm-hmm. cremation of the bodies and he's just extremely overwhelmed he said it was one of the most tragic days devastating days he had ever i couldn't imagine ima- yeah okay but who i do want to so we're, we're going to come back to him um but what i do want to talk about is a journalist and the author of a book called stay near me and his name is shuji okanu he arrived to ishinomaki on june 11th so just a couple months later almost immediately he's he's there to document the aftermath of the tsunami right and almost immediately he starts hearing these rumors of ghosts and he's there for all summer and by october the rumors turned into the masses like he's now hearing every day like oh did you hear this story did you hear this story like Mm -hmm. it's very a very spiritually active area right now so he decided that he was going to start to document those who experience the supernatural so a lot of the stories i'm going to run through is from shuji ukanu's documentation of anyone who may have experienced something supernatural during this time period the first one that he comes across is a man named endo on the day of the earthquake and tsunami he went to a local shelter that would have been nearby his mom's home to look for her Mm -hmm. She, she wasn't there so they told her well you know if she's supposed to arrive here if this is her her, like designated place she she'll be here like let's just wait here for her and so he did okay and while he was waiting there he was you know walking around and in one of the rooms he saw this older woman and she was just sitting in a chair and she was looking outside the window he's walking up closer to her and he's realizing that he or this woman has his mother's clothes on oh from that day again this is like the day of the tsunami so right. waves are still kind of pouring in but this is a designated area that his mother's supposed to go to right he's realizing that that's his mom's clothes on so he gets closer and realizes that that is his mom right oh. then and there so he took his camera out and he wanted to take a picture send it to family mm-hmm. just to let him know like everything's fine i got mom here she is she's mm-hmm. safe and as he's taking the picture her face just kind of like changes and morphs from like he had a full like mom mom you okay yeah. I'm, I'm good sweetheart you know like right like let me take, let picture me take of your you. picture like it wasn't just like you know yeah. no talking there was conversation right. with his mother and you know he had been re- realized that's my mom's clothes that's my mom that's a quick process so he's like mom mom right mom. exactly yeah. she's turned their chat and he exactly. takes a picture yeah um but while he's taking this picture her face like changes like morphs into somebody that he had never seen before a woman that he did not recognize and he later finds out that the bus that his mom was in taking her to the shelter was washed away by the tsunami around the exact same time that he saw his mother's clothes on this stranger and his mother's face on that stranger's face. Oh. The exact same time that he took that picture. Because yeah. she knew her son would be there waiting on her. Yeah. So no, she was so like, sad. I got to go tell him. Like, he's going to be worried. I know. 
Oh my God. That just shows you the love of a mother. I like know. And how it, it, it's amazing. This whole, this entire segment will show you how spiritually in tune Japanese culture yeah, really uh, is. One, 100%. Yeah. Um, so Shuji, the journalist, found out through his search that many people that survived the tsunami were just desperate to speak to past loved ones to get a message from a past loved one that they lost during the disaster and he came across a mom who had lost her three-year-old son during the tsunami and every night her and her husband and their daughter they would sit down for dinner at their table she had one toy left of his and before eating she would look at her son's toy and she would say Cheyenne it's it's time to eat you know, she was just trying to keep his memory alive, yeah. keep the family intact. And, and self-preservation, too. This, is, this was every night that was happening. Well, one night she had put so, I, I think, because she had put so much energy into this routine and recognizing her son that one night this toy train, after she said that, had lit up and made its, like, choo-choo sound. Oh and it's in the God. other room. This toy, according to Shuji, has a manual switch on it. And so it was, like, clearly, like, the Impossible. little black one that will break your fingernail. If it was you ever like try it was actually it. like a um like a little like train that you would sit in. Okay, but yeah. But it had like a front engine, almost like a yeah. So you train. can go in there and you can flip the battery off. Yeah, yeah. Like and it was off. Yeah, and Whoa. it was beeping and lighting up. On top of that, she thinks that he came through that day because she was down bad prior. She was very suicidal. Mm. She was very depressed. In that day, she was at her absolute lowest. Was ready to chew, take her own life. And she said that that toy turning on gave her purpose again. Oh. Oh my god! Isn't oh that my god! Something, dude. And the like, the the routine like o allowed him to see like here's a portal, here's an open door, like you can walk through it. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's a yeah. good one. So in Japan, it's very uncommon for victims of tragedy and disaster to receive any sort of grief counseling oh, like the states yeah. like you know if something dis disastrous happens like there's always the Red Cross has grief counselors there right. almost immediately. But this is because the Japanese don't separate the dead from the living in their culture. Mm -hmm. So death to them is they describe it as a shoji. And a shoji is one of those very thin like think think of like a think of Japanese architecture and the little thin sliding glass doors that mm -hmm. are almost screen like but they're not screen like. Um, so it's a very thin sliding door and they think of death as a shoji. And once you go through this door, the living can still see you on the other side. So it's a very, their veil from life and death and our side to the other side is very thin. It's always lifted. And they find almost comfort in this, knowing yeah. that their loved ones are just right there. Another person that the journalist had came across is a woman named Concho Azawa. Uh, she had lived on the riverbank where the tsunami hit, like the f the oh, first wave. God. And since she was a child, she had seen ghosts. She was very spiritually in tune. She mm. was very gifted. And after the tsunami, about a year after she was driving home one night, she said that she could just feel the presences everywhere. But this specific night, she was driving home and there's a group of men in the middle of the road and they're soaking wet. So she pulls over and she asks them. She knows what's going on. Yeah, she knows that these are she apparitions. Recognizes, these yeah. are not live humans. Yeah, these are, these are spirits. Yeah, and so she pulls over and she's like, you know, what what happened, guys? Like, how can how can I help oh, that's you? That's really sweet. And they told her like, oh, we we're just trying to go home. We just want to go home. And so Concho is like trying to explain. She says she walks through this. At this time, she had been walking tsunami victims in their spirits through this 
process of trying to understand that they are dead yeah numerous times before this event took place and she said she just told them what had happened you were in a tsunami um you passed away it was very tragic a lot of people lost their lives that day and just trying to get them to understand that they had died and they just vanished soaking wet wow group of men god she, I'm, I'm sure like all the people that are sp- mm-hmm. spiritual mediums like psychic mediums like imagine that like walking yeah people and i'm through. and i'm gonna talk about um one specific girl here at the end who is very gifted and was almost like a portal to all of these victims oh, wow yeah so one of the most believable stories story but stories in general because they come with physical records with the sightings are those of taxi drivers Mm. so there it was 164 days after when a taxi driver had welcomed a man in his 20s he picked him up he was in his in this very large thick like fur coat Mm. and this was odd because it was august oh yeah and august to them is hot yeah it's cold right that's why it was zero degrees when the tsunami hit right and so he, you know, he was like, well, this is a little strange. But he, nonetheless, he's like, you know, where, where are you headed? Like, where are we putting you in? The guy told him that he was going to go to Ashinmaki, which was hours away. So the taxi driver puts it in and he starts driving. They drive all day long. They get there around nighttime. And he, this passenger is in the car. But the passenger was quiet the entire time, was just looking forward. Like, they never spoke. Mm-hmm. It was a very quiet ride. And when they arrived, it was dark puts the car in park looks to the rearview mirror and this man was gone so he gets out of the car he's looking around he's like um what has anyone hell? seen my you know my, my guy yeah and there is hundreds hundreds of stories like this with taxi drivers it's one of the most common stories that come with the tsunami and in all the cases the meters were running for hundreds of miles going back to Ashinmaki. someone had to pay for this right you know? like if your meter's running up you got to pay that so the driver's would pay it and they said that you know a lot of us lost family members friends co-workers yeah. in the tsunami they were just happy to do this oh my so god so a lot of them after a certain point knew that what they were picking up was an apparition and mm-hmm. they would still drive it and drop them because off. they are like giving like i mean that that's almost i feel like for some spirits the same as people walking them to the light like going back and realizing right oh that's yeah. how kind of them i know i wish dude. there was a like a foundation that we could i know that we could literally did someone like ma- yeah like that i would i would 100 donate to that i i'm assuming they work for a company and it's yeah. the company that's collecting a check it's not yeah. like they're just like oh we don't get paid for that gas or that, that time it's they have to put they have to that pay bill. it right it's just like if you were a server and you were racking up a table's bill no matter what that shit's got to get paid yeah freaking i mean amazing people is what these taxi drivers yeah, are yeah um what we do know about japan is that they have suffered numerous and this is not the first tragic event that has happened to them whether elemental or warfare that cost mm-hmm. the lives of thousands of people but none of those events in their history has surfaced ghost stories like the tohoku region does in the ashinomaki wow. town and a lot of people believe that it's because the ashinomaki had the slowest development compared to the rest of japan specifically the entire tohoku region north of tokyo mm-hmm. they were always more more rural more old beliefs old Mm -hmm. style life and they would hold on to their spiritual traditions because of this and they believe that this is their way to cope 
but they also think like researchers into this topic professors they think that they're almost like manifesting this because they do what's called kuchuyosi rituals which is when spirits of the dead are invited by a shaman your shaman to come and connect and the shamans are vessels for the dead to tell their stories which brings me back to the reverend of the sudai temple his name was reverend kanita or kanada and he was the 26th generation monk i guess wow. and he grew up in this temple he went to college and he later trained as a monk but all of his education and training couldn't prepare him for what would happen after the tsunami so one night in the temple he had answered the door and it was like a i wouldn't say a teenage girl but like a girl in her 20s right she could hardly stand she was being held up by relatives and she seemed very very ill Mm. so immediately the reverend's like "Are, are you all right what's going on she tells him this is a quote from the show from her speaking she's in an interview um I feel many people inside me and I can't stop them. Whoa. Please help me. So he walked her into the temple. This wasn't his first go around with tsunami victims. Yeah. And she tells him many spirits are entering my body every second of every day and I can't stop them. In all of his years, he said that people had visited him claiming the same thing many times, but no one was hurting or suffering this bad before. He said that she was the first to come in at this extent. And this girl's name was Amy. She said at the time, she wasn't really sure what was happening. That first go around when she showed up at the temple, mm-hmm. all she could feel was like full body pain it was so painful that she wanted somebody to kill her oh my god like she chose death over how much pain she was feeling so the reverend and amy had sat down and he began praying and chanting over top of her and the first thing that she felt was a little girl screaming she also saw the spirit of a man and he was like holding this little girl's leg as she was screaming and he wouldn't let go so at this point amy is speaking as in what she's seeing mm-hmm. no spirits have entered her yet speaking for they're not speaking through her they're not speaking through her yet yeah so the reverend grabs her feet and the spirit comes through amy and says who are you and the reverend's like i am the reverend of the this temple Mm -hmm. and this spirit man through amy says what is the reverend doing here oh like absolutely like has no idea what is going on and amy could see the man he was yelling he was screaming they were in pain they were terrified him and this little girl her and the reverend could just continued praying and as soon as they started burning the incense in front of buddha amy was released from this possession but this specific possession was different for the reverend her pain the images that she was saying her personality changes the ability for them to come through amy and Mm -hmm. speak to him this was something he had never dealt with before never seen before and he asked her you know are are you from the disaster zone are you from Ashinomaki? or did you even experience a tsunami were you even around did anyone close to you die in the disaster and she told him no I had no ties to the tsunami, but that ghosts and spirits had been bothering her since she was a child. She was very spiritually gifted, but it wasn't until a year after the earthquake and the tsunami that the spirits of the tsunami started invading her. Oh, God. So that night, Reverend had told her, you know, come back as much as you need. Like Anytime you feel like it's unbearable, please come see me and I, I would love to help you. 
because he also knew that this wasn't the end. Those weren't the only two spirits that were with her. And like clockwork, almost every night at 7 p.m., Amy would knock on the temple door and they would do the same thing until she was released at 2 to 3 a.m. Through Amy, Reverend heard hundreds of voices of victims that lost their lives in the tsunami. But as one spirit left her, it was like five more would trickle in. Oh, God. So they would remove one, pass one on, and then five more would come through. And I think it's, I think they, these spirits were just desperate to pass through. Yeah. Like they were confused. No one had any clue what was going on because it was all so sudden, so tragic. One particular spirit was a girl who had to let go of her brother's hand. This is so sad so sad god amy had heard her brother say so she's imagining this she heard her not imagining that was the wrong word um she's picturing this yeah she heard her brother say sis i can't run anymore but the little girl she wouldn't say anything back because they the water was coming for them and they had no other choice but to run so she grabbed her little brother's hand and and they're running and amy could see everything here smell feel everything from this day what this little girl experienced and this little girl was so scared that it was like fear was coming through amy like she was terrified she was probably like getting an adrenaline boost so she let go of her brother's hand and she watched her brother being washed away so the reverend spoke to this little girl he held amy or sorry he was speaking to the little girl and he holds amy in this little girl's hand because this little girl Mm -hmm. is now coming through and as soon as he touched amy's hand this little girl comes through and screams no mom i want my mom and she was begging for her mom because she wanted to apologize to her mom for letting go of her little brother's hand and she kept saying mommy i'm so sorry mommy i'm so sorry and the reverend's wife was there and she grabs amy's hand a woman presence and she said honey like let's walk through the light let's walk towards the light everyone is there waiting for you no one's mad at you come with me walk with me and she took amy and walked her just like down the hall and amy's up walking and it's like this little girl coming through finally she let go of the hand and amy was like back to normal oh my god until 2 a.m every morning she's every exhausted day, i mean imagine almost this. every day you're you're literally at spiritual warfare all day long with the most tragic things that you could like and you're seeing and you're visions feel- of you're it you're feeling, feeling their pain it. oh my god it's yeah. awful so sad well and it was a lot for amy she had asked the reverend after so many sessions or not in one calm session so many visits she said what is what is wrong with me am i mentally ill am i imagining this what is wrong with me and he told her that um no you have a gift you have a calling to help these victims pass it's very special and i'm sorry that it's so hard for you and that you know you were picked yeah it is a gift don't think that you're sick don't think Mm -hmm. that you're mentally ill there's nothing wrong with you wow And the reverend felt like it was his duty to help the victims pass and to help Amy. He said, quote, this is amazing. And I'm going to actually, I'm wrapping it up here. So I wanted to end on this quote. He says, what I did was not traditional Buddhist tradition. And I don't really care. When I see a girl who is suffering, I feel obligated to help her rather than worry about my religious beliefs. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a reverend, a monk. And I would follow him into a black hole. I mean, that is incredible. That right, right there. That tells me all I need to know. Yeah. You know, like it's not it's not for me to decide who I'm supposed to help. If they are brought to me, it is my duty Mm -hmm. in the in in the light that I shine to do. Yes. Yes. He's helping Amy. 
but he's also helping thousands, thousands of thousands. people that are confused, stuck, mm-hmm. and have. I mean, this was going on heavily for yeah. months following, but even to this day, you know, there's so many. They're, they're lost souls, yeah, is what they are, and they just roam this region. They're looking. For closure. They, for closure. They want to find their way home. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're searching for people lost, that they've lost. Just lost like that souls. little girl. Like, I mean, imagine that your life goes completely normal. Mm-hmm. Then the most, it, it's like chaos just pours. Yeah. Um, but the locals, they're not scared of these spirits, even though they're, they are there by the masses. Mm-hmm. These are their loved ones, their neighbors, mm-hmm. their coworkers, their friends, their children, sisters, brothers, moms, dads, grandfathers, grandmothers, and they find comfort in helping these apparitions any way they can. And I think that's exactly what Reverend did. Yeah. And the taxi drivers that and pay And the it taxi all. drivers. I mean, these people are they're so pure yeah they're they're literally using like physical material time and money to help these spirits even though in the afterlife these things don't matter right well in my belief system they don't matter so it's like how amazing is that to like that's like if a ghost came to me and you right now and was like can you go buy me a coke and we went and bought them a coke absolutely diet you want lemon right like three bucks no big deal but like if a you know two hours in a car right. it's a lot of money like these people to are constantly happen into and and they know they, yeah, know, they know, know that these are apparitions getting in their car yeah yeah um so anyway that is my coverage of ashunumaki and the tragic job. tsunami yeah definitely go watch the episode again it's volume two episode four unsolved mysteries titled tsunami spirits it's very hard to watch but yeah you did a great job thanks you did a great job because i don't know that i could ever make it through watching that without like literally crying so hard that Dude, hearing hearing amy talk about because i mean she went on and on about um, yeah all, not all the spirits but a lot more than what i talked about yeah and she would sob still yeah i mean I, sob for them because those she, feelings she were real that, for her yeah. right so she felt them wow wow i'm sure wow Sam. now i'm gonna think about that think about every situation like that in yeah. the aspect of like the spiritual realm and how that must come through. Well, thank you so much for covering it. You I wonder if there is like um, whenever because leading up to all of their deaths, there had to be so much fear for every person. Yeah, that's the number one emotion going on there is terror, fear. Yeah, especially because you just survived a six minute long earthquake mm-hmm. and now you're running from a massive wave. I wonder if there's some sort of like cor- correlation, I guess, of when you die with fear. Yeah what that does to you or where that places you in your spiritual journey of like do you know what i'm trying to say yeah i I think no no what you're saying is like and what you're saying is absolutely correct if you die in a tragedy where it's like uncertainty and there's panic and it's frantic and there's a lot going on versus people that pass away and they're like kind of they are like i was saying like mentally prepare for it Mm -hmm. whereas like that morning when you woke up you weren't expecting that because the second that that earthquake hit for six minutes long you're sitting there thinking holy shit we're going to get hit with a tsunami. Mm-hmm. What's my next move? How can I get out? You're panicked. Yeah, thinking, where are my children? Right. Where's there, my family? How can, what's the best way for me to get, should I try to go now or am I going to be in more danger trying to run during this earthquake? There are so many decisions you're making in your head. So many moves that you're making. You're not stopping. Mm-hmm. So when your spirit goes through and you pass, you bust through just as frantic on that side because your soul right. is shaken in situations like that. Yeah. So I think it's about 
the timeline that it takes for people that are more spiritually knowledgeable uh, once they ca catch their bearings of people that are continue being frantic for a longer time but then people that are spiritually more knowledgeable or more mature would be like holy fuck yeah this is the afterlife dude i wonder if being a medium like susan is like the end of your karmic cycle i think like, i really that's do. like your like highest your highest form you're now helping you people spiritually and then you're done yeah like you won't return i would say so because i mean really how many souls would be able to cross that many levels to get there it takes right. that's why there's so few and far between but so many at once yeah because i'm sure the closer you get to that level you get more and more gifts damn that means we're fucked. We're close. We're close to being over this shit. I don't think. I don't think I'm at the end. I'm not. No, here. I am nowhere near the end. I think we. I have three more lives in me. I've got like ten. I got a lot of shit. I got to figure out spiritually. Like, how do you do it every day? Yeah. With consciously do it every day because subconsciously I know I'm doing it every day because I'll feel it every now and again. But I'm blocking off all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm on do not disturb. I'm on do not disturb year round. What did you hear that? No. Something just made an electrical sound and it went zoom out of my left ear this way. I didn't hear anything. I I thought the computer was about they to They said, turn you want to be turned on, bitch? Zoom. No, Bluetooth signals are off. <laughs> Airplane mode. It was like a volume by and they just zoom. It was zoom. Like, uh, no. All right. All right. All right. You're up. Okay. So the case I'm going to tell you guys about today, I actually was pretty much like 100% convinced I had covered it. <laughs> so I want to make a formal apology <laughs> to everyone who has like requested this case. And I vividly remember someone commenting on a live for me to do this case and me telling them, oh, I covered it. Like <laughs> you just go. And I'm so sorry. Because and maybe we did. I, I mean, really, I had to sit here and like, I had to ask Morgan beforehand because I, I really did think I had covered it. So I'm just so I'm so sorry. Like, this is a formal apology. I'm serious because this is a case that I really need to cover and like more people do need to cover. Anyways, I, I, I do formally apologize. So this is the case of Kanika Jenkins. I do want to say that there is a lot in this case that cannot necessarily be. I have many sources for everything. However, there's a lot of hearsay. Okay. On the night of Friday, September 8th, 2017, 19-year-old high school senior Kanika Jenkins left her house in the west side of Chicago, Illinois, in her mother's car at 11.30 p.m. Kanika told her mother, who she was very close with, her plans for that night were that she and her friends were going to go celebrate her getting a brand new job that she had just landed. Slay. They would be staying at one of her friend's house afterwards, but they were going to go bowling or they were going to go to the movies. Kanika's mother, Teresa Martin, was so happy for her to get this job to have these awesome friends that like love celebrating with her and yeah. celebrating her and because of just how amazing of a daughter that Kanika was she was an amazing student an amazing daughter a great sister to her siblings her family refers to her in like various different articles as quote their shining star oh that's cute Teresa had been diagnosed with breast cancer, so her mother, just a few years prior and was doing everything in her power to fight it. And that entire time, Kanika stayed by her mother's side, taking care of her, barely leaving the house other than to go to work and school, but just mainly focusing on her mom. Thankfully, Teresa recovered fully and beat cancer. 
So it was like both Kanika and Teresa finally had their lives back. And she wanted Kanika to go and like live her best life and go be young and do fun things with her friends. But of course, while still being safe and careful. So though it was like everyone had their freedom back, Kanika, who was a wise woman, like very wise and mature beyond her years, had to be reminded every now and again, hey, you're still a high school senior. You are 19 years old. Like you still live under my house. Like you can't. Mama's rules. Right. You can't just go run around, which is probably why Kanika did not tell her mother, even though they were so close and her mom was so happy for her, the full truth about their plans for that night. Kanika and her friends were actually planning to go to a friend's house, get ready, and then go to a private party at the Chicago O'Hare Crown Plaza Hotel in Rosemont, and the party was going to take place in room 926. So after leaving her house that night at 11.30 p.m., Kanika went to her friend's house where all of her like group of girls was already. They pre-gamed, they got ready together, did girly things. Mm-hmm. And so finally at 1.13 a.m., because of course if the pre-game's gonna start at 11.30, the girls are not coming out until at least 1.15. You remember those days? Yeah, dude. Oh. We'd, we'd be like, oh, we can make it. We can get there in time. No, but we'll, we'll be ready in an hour, four hours later. Someone's already laying down on the ground yeah and can't wear her heels we've had to change 15 outfits oh, before we can walk out that was so 11 30 p.m pregames because you don't go to the bars until one crushed me crushed me but it was so fun it was so fun it was so fun i don't think i could ever do it again. i would never do it again because i'm hurting just like thinking me about too. it but it's such a it's such a girl thing to yeah. like experience like that is peak someone's putting in a tampon beside you 18 to 22 100 someone's putting a tampon in beside you while your best friend's sitting on the edge of the bathtub doing your eyeliner and someone's painting someone's toes and you all have floor pre-games in your hands 100 yeah absolutely so they finally got to the party at the hotel at 1 13 a.m Kanika and her friends arrived and it was now because it's 1:13 a.m the early morning hours of saturday september 9th 2017 now, it's not like this was like a stranger's party that was like a Snapchat party, you know, mm-hmm. like where someone yeah, just put out an up, address. And th- 2017, that is absolutely the time frame for right. that. But this wasn't, I mean, if it was, it doesn't matter because this was their friend group. Okay. So like these were people from their friend groups, like mutuals of the friend groups coming. So everyone kind of knows the everyone. Exactly. But also like plus ones. But right. it's like all these people run in the same circles so we know who that is but we're not you know we're acquaintances Mm -hmm. type thing so that that's who was hosting this party in room 926 they pretty much knew most if not every single person that was in there that night meaning the attendees were also high schoolers and underage and there was a a lot of alcohol flowing a lot of blunts rolling music blasting so scary in a hotel room yeah but you know the drill they're just for yeah they're having a good yeah. party I mean, it's a good party you know right. so the girls walk in and everyone's on live on socials so like all the girls go live for a little bit and they all go on and off live several times her and her friend group throughout the night they're posting videos and pictures on their stories on their snapchats on their feeds and all the videos like you can kind of see that the girls were not having the best time because of how little other girls were at this party it was i mean you could just look at the video men everywhere Okay, yeah. Yeah. 
very few and far between the girls. So it's made this friend group end up being like everyone's trying to flirt with this one friend group. Right. Miserable. Mm -hmm. That sounds like the worst party in the whole wide world. So pretty much it was like only them and a few other girls, which was noticed by the ungodly amount of men that immediately began flirting, trying to dance with, trying to get drinks to Kanika and her friends. And one of these guys was a good guy, though. Thank God. Someone who Kanika was acquaintances with, but like... Sort of in a way where it's like you love this person. They always like come around, but you you don't like text them or anything right. personally. I would say like our relationship with Weldon, how he just like <laughs> randomly shows up in random places. Literally. <laughs> exactly. Anytime we're out, you can count on Wel- Weldon being there. And but we it's just not pick like up we, exactly where we left neither off. Neither of us text each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So that that's kind of like what the situation was with the acquaintance. So this acquaintance and Kanika run into each other in the middle of the party. And the two of them like... Do, do the very classic like across the room I see you let me run to you give you a big hug type of thing and then they just like chatted were drinking dancing a little bit talking on the side doing whatever and he noted along with many others that Kanika had been drinking at the party and seemed to have been getting hit by the alcohol a lot faster so they thought she might have come drunk to the party but he and everyone that knew Kanika well enough to like recognize that something was off did note that quote she was not acting like her usual self end quote apparently like Kanika is a person that you can always find on the dance floor Kanika me and you would be in the middle all all night long you know if one of us starts dancing the other one has to join in and it goes 100% so that's kind of like what the situation was they were dancing together how it typically would be Kanika and her girls would be in the center of the dance floor the entire time but we do know that they didn't feel on they didn't feel comfortable enough to do that but it kind of seemed like Kanika minded it more so than everyone it seemed that she was sad she wasn't you know she would get up and dance for a little bit when like a song would come on or a part of a song would come on and then she would go back over to the side and sit down Mm -hmm. so like if me and you were at a party and I kept doing that you'd be like what's wrong right immediately what's wrong and that's kind of the vibe either tired or you gotta right I'm like I literally can't feel my toes that's why I can't dance anymore or it's like I need to go home right now because or it's like, I'm just getting freaked out. This yeah. Or like, or it's, I like, feel I'm, people looking at us or I'm not yeah. comfortable with how he's dancing. Like, it, yeah. there's a good reason when people that are typically the life of the party are going to sit down. Right. So not that I'm being like, <laughs> not we're, as we're the, life, the of life, life of the party. <laughs> it God. is what it is. Obviously, it was enough that someone had to like, people noticed this and like brought it up. So at around 1.30 a.m., Kanika I don't know if she stepped to the side, like to the couch, away from the dance floor, or she stepped outside of the hotel room, but I do know she sent a text message to her sister at 1.30 a.m. I don't know what exactly was said. I, it wasn't reported anywhere. I looked everywhere, but I'm pretty sure it was just like a sisterly text, you know? not something that was crucial for the case or else it likely would have been released. But then again, I don't know, which you'll understand what I mean by that later. So uh, to me, it would probably be like if I was texting my sister at a party that I would be like, cover me. Right. Mom doesn't know. Or like, I'm hammered. Or I would be like texting, talking shit about someone. Yeah. You know? So uh, thank God that's not out there. It was like how I'm thinking about it. So I think it's not anything that's crucial technically to the case. But either way, I just can't find it. Well, after being at the party for almost two hours, at around 3 a.m., Kanika and all of her friends decided that it was time to go. So they are like collecting everyone, the typical like girls leaving the party group checklist where it's like you you get everyone duck, duck, goose out of there. You walk into the hallway and the person who's the most sober stands at the front and says, do you have your phone, your wallet, your keys? Do you have, you know, where's your purse? Did you have a jacket when we came in? It's never us. 
No. So anyways, that, you know, do you have your phone, wallet, lip gloss, jackets? What, what do you have? What are we missing? What do we need to go back for? When Kanika, according to her friends, realizes, like, going through this checklist, that she doesn't have her phone and possibly a few other things, I think maybe was missing her purse or something, or maybe it was, like, her phone wallet, like, had a phone wallet, because it's 2017. I'm assuming there was a phone wallet mm-hmm. involved in this. So she was missing a lot. So her friends are like, okay, well, because they're looking at Kanika as Kanika's saying this, and Kanika's like sliding down the wall. Okay. She was really drunk. So she's like sliding down the wall, can't really, like a, another girlfriend's holding her up, and they realize that she doesn't have her phone. So they're like, okay, we're going to go back in and find it. Let's lay her down on the ground. So they like, sit her down. Some reports say that they said, I'm going to go with in this version that they sat her down um, or she l- was leaned up against a wall by the elevators on the ninth floor because that's where they were like kind of doing their checklist but the reports on exactly where they left her vary but either way they they just like sat her down because that's how drunk she was and like when you have someone just talking from like my experience that has is that level of drunk like you can sit them down and you're gonna come back and they're gonna be be there. there But when her friends got back 10 minutes later after doing like a 10 second tidy sweep of the entire hotel room, finding her phone and returning to her, they could not find Kanika. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's like stomach dropping feeling. I couldn't even imagine. No, because we've done it so many times where someone's like, you know, blacked out or something and we need to go back in to get one last girl. Yep. You just, you know. Stay here. Right. And if there's another girl nearby, but there's not another girl nearby to be like, will you watch her? Right type thing and she doesn't have her phone on her because that's what they're going to get so people I'm not going to say anything about that just because like I know in my in that situation I probably would have done the same exact thing because we had done it a million times before at 19 years old you know but some people bring this point up a lot so they go and they start searching all over I'm talking every floor they basically did like the buddy the elf like swipe down it go down every floor thinking maybe she jumped on the elevator and opened and she got on and it just went to a floor and she walked off so that's what they start doing just what you would do if one of us was missing right you just search everywhere that you can think and they're like okay maybe she went to the car because the car was in the parking lot so they go down to the car she's not there and at this point it's four in the morning it's been an hour of them searching for Kanika they have not seen her in a full hour so they broke down once they got down to her car which was her mom's car they called Kanika's mom, Teresa, at four in the morning, which as like being a mother and getting a call from your your daughter's best friends at four o'clock in the morning, like that would be stomach curling. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't even under. Yeah. Awful. So they first they first ask her like, hey, is Kanika home with you? Because they were thinking, like, maybe she got an Uber or something, or who knows? You know, again, they it an was hour a, has passed. An hour had passed, and they were there with, like, all of their friends, like, people that they all know. So someone could have found Kanika and, like, sent her home in an Uber. Right. You know, who knows? And Teresa's like, no, she's with you. Spending the night at your house, you're going to the movies, you're going bowling. So they had to tell her the full story. And they're like, Teresa, we can't find her. We need help. We don't know what to do. But Teresa doesn't have a car because they're in her car right now. Oh, my God. Teresa figures out that one of them had been sober, had been the DD that night because they were celebrating Kanika. She was just the only one with a car. So someone had been the DD. They get to Kanika's house, Teresa's house, um, at five o'clock in the morning. And 
They go inside immediately with Teresa talking about everyone that was there, going and looking at videos, calling and they start doing like a phone tree. Anyone and everyone that they could think of. Hey, do you have Kanika? Did did you find her in the lobby of the hotel and take her home? Like, wh- where is she? They're looking at pictures of lists. Who, hey, who was at the party tonight? Can you see if they know where Kanika is? Mm-hmm. Type of thing. And they did this until six in the morning, but no luck. So by this time, realizing that they're not having any luck finding her with anybody that was at the party, they have family members and friends already up and going down and searching everywhere. So searching the hotel, telling the hotel what the situation is. I mean, they are all going up and down. They're having the like manager come and open locked doors that have possibly been locked, asking if anyone's showing pictures. They are doing everything they can. And at 7.15 in the morning, they have had no developments. They have no idea where Kanika is and hours are passing fast so they finally break down and call police Teresa Martin called 911 from the hotel parking lot and the call goes pretty much exactly how you would expect the dispatcher says oh well you know she's 19 years old and oh she's just God. been gone just a little bit you know she was at a party she you know she'll come home like every you guys go home rest take a shower eat something take a nap and i'm sure by the time you wake up by the time you get there she'll be right home and teresa is doing her best to explain the severity of this situation. This is not like her daughter at all. Her daughter just took years away from her personal life and her social life to sit at home and nurse Teresa back to health. Right. Kanika is not the type of daughter that is just going to willy-nilly not go somewhere. Right. Yes, she might have lied to her mother about what exactly she was doing that but night. But I did that every weekend. But guess what? She was at home when she was supposed to be home. Yeah. And she had straight A's. She did everything that she was supposed to do. So she goes out this one night. So what? Why would that make it not less urgent than if she was? You know, it's just ridiculous. So she explains this to the dispatcher. Again, writes her off. No, well, she's, you know, 19 years old. That means she's an adult. Like, just again. So she continues going on. Teresa's like, no, listen to me. She had, she's 19 years old. She was drinking at a party, an underage party that was being thrown at a hotel by underage kids who were all drinking. So you're talking about a 19 year old who doesn't know the effects of alcohol on her body, who is at a uncontrollable underage party and is drunk. And now I can't find her and she doesn't have her phone. You think that she's somewhere safe? Right. Like what in what situation world in what fucking world I've called everyone not our world right so no and again the dispatcher's like you know I'm sure she's fine I'm sure she's safe you just probably fell asleep somewhere yeah so in a final attempt Teresa asked why give me any good reason that a 19 year old in 2017 would leave her phone behind if she was safe in a safe coherent situation in what world would a 19 year old girl leave her phone behind and not come back and search for it that wouldn't no. happen they were again just call back if she doesn't show up in a few hours That's fucking so ridiculous up. they are forced to just sit there and wait in all the different places that they think that if kanika had fallen asleep somewhere and woke up where would she go first 
or where would she go where if she was closest to this side of town whose house would she go to how would she get home and they basically went and set up camp with the people's houses that they know that she would go to and were like stay home if she shows up and then meanwhile they have like other friends and family members going out and searching the streets and searching the hotel and looking outside and waiting outside going to people's houses that were at the party that night and asking them in person when was the last time you saw Kanika? I mean, what it's they a could. fucking shame that a mother has to plead to the people mm. that are supposed to protect us to come 100%. help find her daughter. I, and again, in any situation, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm 19 years old. You're barely an adult. So fed up and unable to continue just sitting and waiting, Kanika's older sister, Leonore Harris, files a missing persons report going into the station at 12.46 p.m., which was officially filed and put into the system and reported to the hotel at 1.15 p.m. Yet the hotel would not provide the footage to Kanika's family. So let me let me back up a little bit because I, I don't know what where this went in my notes. I guess I skipped over it. But the reason that Teresa finally broke down and called 911 at 7.15 a.m. that morning was because after being at the hotel for an hour and talking with people there, she was told by the manager that they cannot pull footage or look at footage or even go get the footage unless there is a missing persons report filed. Wow. Then the dispatcher gives her the fucking runaround. So that was at 7.15 this fucking morning. So for all this time, when when they have people sitting in stations and waiting, else, no one at the fucking hotel is even going and looking in to the footage. It's fucked up. And more hours are fucking passing that that could get recorded over or something crazy could happen to. I mean, I, I understand like not being able to release it release but it like but you, you can, can go, go fucking you can look go at it. back there and look and be like look i can't show you it but the last time we saw her was i can see at this point in time that she walks the, they're there there right right it, that, that's all that they were asking to i'm sure of you know yeah. like can you at least go look yourself like what yeah so finally police get take this report and send it over to the hotel and are like hotel you are free to review the hotel footage and show it to them so that's sent to them at 115 the hotel would still not provide the footage to the family and would not delegate someone to go sift through it so fast forward 6 p.m Teresa and Leonore show up at the hotel after talking on the phone with them trying to get someone to go through the fucking footage trying to get someone to answer some questions they show up at the hotel and they start going to from the top floor down every room knocking on every single door this is my daughter this is my sister have you seen her when was the last time you see her seen her this is what happened if you know anyone here's my information give me a call if you see anything if you hear anything give me a call every single door one by one talking to every single person so sad that they had to do this it's awful so the fucking hotel calls the police on them tries to trespass them for disturbing the peace are you fucking kidding me I would have booked a room. 911. Well, now the police are there. Here we go. This is the first time that police actually come to the hotel. Because they're trespassing. Because they're Not because there's a missing girl. Right. Not because Kanika's missing, but because of the disturbance. Right. 
not because of disturbing any, the peace not because you gave a fuck to actually look at i'm i'm beyond in this case so the police are finally at the hotel and they tell kanika's family like okay we're gonna go investigate the room so they go and look through the room that the party was held in they don't see anything they look around the hotel they look around outside the hotel i think they look in kanika's uh, mom's car that they were driving that night look around they don't find anything and I don't know if Kanika's family was um, there for that because I do know that they were told to go home and that police were going to go through the footage right then and there and uh, with the hotel staff and that they would reach out if they found anything. But this was going to be time consuming because it is to sift through that. And this is actually the first time that police kept well, their promise. If it started at 7 a.m., then it wouldn't be Right, then it, we would be, you know, over it. So finally, at 10 p.m., 19 hours after she was last seen, investigators were able to locate Kanika in the security footage for the very first time. The first time that they saw her was around the time that her sister had received that final text from Kanika at around 1.30 a.m., she was in the hallway with a few people, then alone in the hallway, and then back with her friends at the party. At 3 a.m., they watched Kanika and her friends come out of the party and then go to, like, the elevator at the ninth floor. Again, I don't know if they went down the elevator, if they were up there when Kanika, they do the lineup, do the checklist, and um, one of them is, like, almost having to hold Kanika up, and she's, like, supporting herself on the wall. And this is when they realize that she's missing her phone. So all of the friends leave her, and they go back to do a fast group search, find her phone, telling Kanika to wait there for them. And they returned 10 minutes later, and she is gone. So what we can see in the footage that the friends did not know is that Kanika began staggering about the hotel hallways alone. She was bumping into walls, leaning up against things to hold herself up, going downstairs, going up the stairs, going down the elevator, in and out of the elevator. And at one point, she walks through the hotel lobby and is picked up on the camera near the front desk. And this was just before 3.20 a.m. She is seen just after this walking out of an elevator on one one of the lower floors so she had gone out of view I guess gone into an elevator and then came out on one of the lower floors and then lastly the final footage of Kanika shows her entering the hotel's kitchen and walking out of the camera site within the kitchen now me reporting on this to you right now it sounds like this was a very fast discovery back to back to back to back of all these different pieces of footage but that's not the case like I said this takes a really really long time to sift through because you're having to go through all right let's start with entrances and exits and then after that when we find out what door she came in we'll be able to see you know follow her from there so then they're right. having to be like okay well what camera would be in that hallway Work forward Pull that and footage. absolutely so this is a long long situation so hours had gone by and at this point it's like midnight in the now more early morning hours of Sunday, September 10th. And investigators find this piece of footage and they, I guess, send a hotel employee, like a manager down there to like look around maybe with keys or something. Or I, I don't know if there was an investigator with this manager. I would think that there would be. Right. But I didn't find anything reporting that there was an investigator with this person. 
And the only reason that I could think that a hotel manager would be even involved in that search is to show the police where this area is Mm -hmm. and unlock a door if a fucking door needs to be unlocked. Right. Type of thing. And I know another side note, just because I was a little bit confused at first about this, this kitchen that they're referring to was not in use during this time period. So it was mainly like it was shut down. Nothing was used for it. No one was using it. But they like you know stored stuff down there and like so this is like almost like basement level right yeah this is like lower levels so like the employee levels of a hotel it's not like the regular bustling kitchen that you would think about a hotel that has like room service or something but either way um the employee is looking around in like storage closets underneath sinks stuff that's like unlocked and like people would easy to get into areas that someone would lay down or something And they're looking all around. Then they walk into this like walk-in cooler. And they're looking around the lock, you know, the cooler. Don't see anything that seems off. But at the back of the cooler, there is another door that leads to a walk-in freezer, like a commercial freezer. And this cooler was off because, again, this is not in use. This employee then walks to the back of the walk-in freezer and opens the door the freezer was on and inside they found the body of 19 year old Kanika Jenkins oh my god she was lying face down on her side with only one shoe on and a cut on her foot of the shoe that was missing and she was pretty much frozen showing no signs of life um I did see somewhere that it was 32 degrees in there after two hours of the freezer being wide open so it was cold it was cold fuck at 12 48 a.m on sunday september 10th 2017 kanika jenkins was pronounced dead at the scene an autopsy determined that kanika's death was accidental and the result of hypothermia a toxicology analysis found that Kanika's blood alcohol level was 0.112. And though there were no illegal drugs found in her system, they did find traces of a drug called, um, it looks to me like topiramate, topiramate, topiramate. Migraine. It's a migraine. Um, epilepsy. Yeah, and epilepsy. Yep. And also, next an- and also anxiety. Yeah, it's my next line. Topiramate. Right. I was given that Mm. as an anxiety med, though. Oh. But it was also to treat migraines and also epilepsy. Wait, okay. I remember because I remember yeah. my I got that facial paralysis. I remember from it. I that. Stopped taking it. Yeah, I remember that. To pyramate, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I totally forgot that that was the one that you had all those issues, side effects with. Yeah. But um, either way, th- it's for migraines, anxiety, uh, epilepsy. And though Kanika was known to get headaches often from like some things that I was reading and like comments that quote friends in different situations. So I don't know how true that is. Again, like there's a lot of talk about this case. So there's so many avenues and sources. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had not been prescribed this medication. So I... I don't so someone had to have been prescribed it it was not to her and I was unable to locate if they found who whose prescription it was but I'm just guessing that I was like if you were at my house and you were like 
dude, I have a horrific migraine. And I was like, oh, okay, hold on. Let me go see what I have and then give you something. You know what I mean? Which could possibly explain her being off at the party too. Right. Because she had taken, you know, had never taken it before maybe. And they didn't have Excedrin. She was like, oh, I have this. I take it for my migraines. Yeah. But I do, I, I can't remember, but I feel like it wasn't like a, treatment like an excedrin it was a preventative yeah it was a migraine yeah. preventative so it wouldn't just take away a migraine right but if at 19 if years some, old right, if you're you told like that. hey this it's is for your, your migraines. migraines yeah right so either way th- when this medication is taken with alcohol it can enhance the effects of both the medication and the alcohol yeah that tracks but they would also aid in the progress these combined so both alcohol and this medication together would aid in the progression of hypothermia basically this combination speeds up the effects of hypothermia that is according to reports from the npr that i read it's probably it has things. to do with like circulation that's what i'm thinking yeah i, I read I mean, that it, it, that makes sense to me though yeah okay i'm, I'm glad it tracks with you because at yeah. first i was thinking like you hear alcohol sometimes is like not okay obviously it just makes you feel warm it's not necessarily heating you up but it does make you sweat yeah so some people say that it has reversed like it helps you to fight hypothermia that's the only reason i was like "Mm, i don't know but i'm guessing no i remember i vividly remember you telling me we were drinking uh the red bull vodka that's when you were taking it yeah and you were like i don't think i'm supposed to be drinking on this yeah you're not supposed to right and that's why you were being like so excited (laughs) that night but yeah like a rebel right you know exactly though but like it now now realizing like what those effects with alcohol that would make sense for the hypothermia thing because if if those two were combined yeah i wonder if there was another friend with her that was like extremely drunk if that was their prescription or you know right like would you think it do you think uh what that medication does when the source of the tea that i can't say do you think that's also because for it to do epilepsy to treat epilepsy anxiety and migraines do you think it's like a blood pressure so it like because those so are things- i think migraine medication it, it expands your blood vessels because mm-hmm. migraines are when because it's like caffeine caffeines are good so it helps it right right migraines are when the vessels are constricting Tight. right so it's expanding that and then with alcohol i guess expands even more because you mm-hmm. bleed a lot when you drink so i can't get piercings mm-hmm. i don't know i could be making shit up right see now. like i don't know i that's what i'm trying to figure but out like, how would know. that maybe i like the sleepiness like you're cold like i would just want to mm-hmm. i do know that with that though whenever it was prescribed Drowsy. to me it was like um it was for my migraines but she she didn't want to put me on this medication with an anxiety med because she said to me, like, this one will help the anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not like um, commercially. So maybe a dopamine in- inhibitor it, it, in a it's way. Not like, it's not like commercially prescribed right. for anxiety. It's more so for migraines and epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But it's got like a little bit of moment in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. again, I, if you I, we, we don't know all the answers, if someone wants to look further than that, that's why I just wanted to make sure that you guys know, like, I didn't make that shit up. Like, I literally read that on multiple yeah, sources and it. I confirmed it. So they confirmed this finding and this conclusion by the discovery of lesions in her stomach at the time of her autopsy. So whatever these effects would be would also have to have lesions in order to like ulcers kind of lesions are like little cuts or yeah yeah inside her stomach inside your stomach so it's not like necessarily cuts but it's like damage to your tissue and the only other thing that they found via an autopsy was the fact that she had evidence of brain swelling or there was brain swelling but they which i found this 
pretty odd is that they actually said that this was a result of a pre-existing medical condition and i don't know if she knew of it but they never said like what it was which hipaa but like they never you know went into detail about it but th- that stays in my head right. because you're with that and then you have a medication for mm-hmm. two brain things migraine epilepsy mm-hmm. and then alcohol right That's so a- then the combination of this pre-existing condition that may or may not have been known right and these things but there there was no signs of foul play or anything that the MEO believed would suggest anything other than this just being a tragic accident. Mm -hmm. These findings were released to the public on October 6, 2017 by the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office, which was followed by a separate statement released by the Rosemont Police Department saying, quote, while no foul play was suspected, the investigation is still ongoing. Interesting. Now, I don't know what their exact reasonings were or what part of the investigation they were still working on because there's not much on this side of um, that side of things released. But I did find something while researching that I think might be what was prolonging this. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. According to various sources, allegedly, all of Kanika's friends kept changing about that night and where exactly Kanika was left to wait slash if she was alone at first according to the reports from Teresa the friends had told her that Kanika was in the lobby with a group of people when they left to go back up and search for her phone because it wasn't until they were in the lobby that she realized she had left her phone others say that she was alone on the ninth floor left by the elevator door like the version I told you just outside when they were waiting on the elevator, she realized. But most people agreed that they saw Kanika with at least one other person. Some say, most say it was a male. Others say that it was a female after her friends had gone back into the party to get her phone. Like, I don't know if they were talking to each other in passing or if they were like going somewhere that these people said. There's no exact report on it. But even though that's that story changing is really concerning, the next thing that I found really, really might be it. And that is that final piece of footage that we saw of Kanika at 3.32, walking into the kitchen and then walking out of the view of the kitchen. This was a motion sensor tracking security camera. And some investigators told the family that they could see her walk in the vicinity of the freezer, but not enter it. Like they couldn't see the door open or anything. Whereas others were telling her like, nope, you can see the door open. Like you can see it in the corner. It's not a full view, but you could see the door to that freezer open and she walks in and then other people say well what's crazy is that they you should have been able to see it 100 because that's a motion sensor 360 camera so like why would it not pick her up physically walking into the cooler in the full view adding to the freezer issues why the fuck is a freezer in a kitchen that is not in use on that's what i was wondering if the cooler's not on why is the freezer behind the cooler on right the cooler's not on why is the freezer on and why is anything on in a kitchen that is not being used and And has not been used where's her shoe her shoe was with her i believe okay i didn't like find anything that confirmed that i might have but i need to refer back so I'll, i'll report back later um but like 
why is this freezer left on investigators are grilling the hotel management staff employees everyone about this like who the fuck turned the freezer on when was it on when was it off is it supposed to be on is it supposed to be off what the fuck is the deal with the freezer basically everyone had like these many different versions of events some are saying like it should not have been on but it was on because there was a local restaurant that had rented it out to do like a big catering prep in there and they turned it on and I guess we didn't turn it off and then other people like no we definitely turned it off it was 100% supposed to be off and then other people like no it's never been off it's always been on because we go down there to hang out what are you doing down there I don't know but everyone can agree the only thing that they can agree on is the fact that this freezer should not have been on it was not supposed to be on and in fact it was reported to be have turned off so the last thing that I'm sure kept this investigation open and ongoing was the main question that everyone had. And this concerns that hotel employee that discovered Kanika. And, you know, what we talked about, like, is, okay, why would a hotel employee be the person to go down there and search this area? And the only thing that we can, like, think of is, like, oh, this is the area that this would be. And they pointed it out or they need to unlock it. So what the family learned was that the walk-in unit as a whole, the freezer, the cooler, it was unlocked when that employee walked in and found Kanika. That means it had to have been unlocked the entire time. No one had been down here. Right. But Kanika. So it was unlocked and you can open it from the inside. It's same thing. Not a lock on the inside, not a lock on the outside. It was unlocked. Latch, but unlocked. What was stopping Kanika from just being able to stand up and walk and walk out? out? Right. Just as easily as she got in. So tell me, you're saying no foul play is involved. There's no signs of it at that's the scene saying, on the body. That's assuming that the door is unlocked the entire time that Kanika is in there. Absolutely. Because that's how it was when the employee found it. So it should have been. And she got in. So it yep. had to have been unlocked. So if you're telling me it's been unlocked this entire time, what would have stopped her? Give me a right. good answer to that question. Where did that fresh cut on her leg come from? Did you guys ever determine where, where that landed? What happened here? Yeah. You know, why was, was her shoe off because of that cut? Did it go through her shoe? What was it? Is there anything that you can determine in the area? No answers to any questions that you have. Like, ridiculous. Unbelievable. And all these questions were left unanswered officially on paper. They, to no one day. knows to the state, to the state. We don't have all these answers. And if they do have them, they've never been released. But unofficially some of these questions got answered and this is what i'm talking about when i think this is probably what it was all these things but because of this portion i'm about to tell you that investigators couldn't necessarily close the case at that point in time so we're gonna have to fast forward a few years after kanika's death her family was still fighting for answers closure an explanation that makes sense at least and attention to stay on kanika's case but naturally over time kanika's case became harder to keep in the press circuit and tips stopped flowing in as regularly when this happens It's sad because that means that the case is losing its attention from the public. But there are some good things that can come from a case going a little low key. And that is people start feeling that as this case is losing public pressure, they can, you know, talk about it. So the rumor mill starts churning. And people that typically are straight and narrow start getting a little sloppy about their information and who they're telling it to. And nine out of 10 times, information that police were keeping close to their chest ends up slipping out because someone told someone something. And that is exactly what happened. Rumors began circulating that police had actually gotten a confession from a man 
who claimed to actually be the last person to see her that night. Whoever this person was, he, it, which no one knows, because whoever this source was, I guess from police in this rumor, never said a name because it was unimportant or to protect them. But either way, whoever this man was, he claimed that he had come by the hotel's restaurant to hang out with his friend. And I don't think this is the same. I don't know. I don't know like if he is saying restaurant like I went and met up my buddy and we went down to the kitchen. I don't have the full details on this. But either way, this guy says that he comes to hang out at the hotel restaurant with his friend who just so happened to be working security at the hotel. And this was a pretty typical night for the two men. So per usual, the man that is writing the sentence. So I'm referring to this guy, the writer at, or the man who confessed as the man. And then we're going to call his security guard friend, security friend. Okay. Okay. So per usual, the man and his security friend went down to the kitchen freezer together and started smoking weed. This was one of their favorite things to do, and they did it very often. The only thing about this night that was different, though, in particular, was the fact that a hotel janitor had joined their smoke sash. So just a few minutes in to, I guess, like lighting up, the man says that Kanika walks into the freezer, just swings the door open. So they're like, oh, fuck, you know, they're literally smoking weed in the hotel freezer. Right. The security guard and janitor's place of work. But she just like came staggering in. He said, quote, she was dazed and confused, but she recognized security friend. So she immediately walked up to him and apparently they knew each other pretty well because she goes up to him and she's like, hey, I'm not feeling good. Something's wrong. I'm not feeling good. I guess she like hung out in there with them, at, according to this guy. Uh, but the security friend was like holding Kanika up the entire time because she was going in and out of consciousness or falling asleep because she was just so intoxicated. Trigger warning for what I'm about to tell you. S-A-N-R. So as they finish up their smoking session, the man that confessed says that security friend began to take advantage of Kanika. He sexually assaulted her and raped her. And at this point, the man says that Kanika, at some point during the assault, the man says that Kanika came to and began fighting the security guard, slapping him really hard on his face, which made him mad and embarrassed. So he picked her up and he threw her against the wall and then again down on the floor where he held her down, wrapping a plastic bag that was nearby on the ground around her head and squeezing it as tight as he could. The man said that he was finally able to rip his security friend off of Kanika, dragging him out of the freezer and into the cooler area. And as the two man men are like struggling on the ground, wrestling each other, trying to like the man's trying to call him security friend down to be like, dude, we got to fucking get out of here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? The man that had pulled him off is watching Kanika and she's like coughing and gasping for air and like trying to catch a breath. And she's like trying she realizes. And so she's like moving around trying to get up to escape but so does the security friend and he jumps up threatening the man and the janitor to get the fuck out before turning the the freezer all the way on high slamming it shut and blocking it so as Kanika was trying to get up she gets locked in and is like banging on the freezer door and the man and the janitor are told to leave or they're going to be killed by the man, uh, the security friend. The next day, mind you, this would have been 
hours before, well before the hotel even went through the footage or before police even took the fucking report. The next day, so Saturday in the afternoon, the security guard texts the man and the janitor or says it to them in person, I don't know, reaches out to them and lets them both know that she is dead and they don't need to be worried because he took care of everything. That was the rumor. Holy shit. I mean, that's a very detailed rumor. Seems pretty easy to me to prove if this rumor is true or not, though. Right. You know, say this gets to investigators. Seems pretty fucking simple. That's three people walking out of the freezer. Right. You're telling me that we're going to see a security guard, a janitor, and the man walk in and out of the freezer, smoke, come out. That's what's going to happen. So really simple to confirm or call bullshit on. So let's pull the footage of the kitchen. What is absolutely fucking insane, Morgan, is that the only footage that this kitchen motion sensing tracking security 360 camera picked up in the days since August 30th. This all happened on September 8th through 10th, 11th. No security camera footage other than Kanika was picked up between August 30th and that time that she was seen that night and then not after. So you didn't see police coming in. You didn't see the employee locating her body. None of that. There's no footage at all of the kitchen other than Kanika walking in the night she died. That's that crazy. Is it. Not even the security guard who would have been making his rounds in this area. Nothing. As if not another fucking soul had been in the area of this kitchen in a week before or at least a week after Kanika's death, which we fucking know for a matter of fact is not true. Right. It's not true. No matter what the story is, that's fucking impossible. That's fucking sketch. But they say that it only turns on when it detects most motion. So there had been no motion to be detected to turn it on in all of that time. No forensic team. Uh, I guess. Detectives. Police. I don't know if anybody analyzed it because let me tell you this. The only thing that people can say to this is it had to have been 100% edited. Yeah, it was wiped. Was it edited before police got there or was it, you know, when police got it? So who who fucked? Was it the hotel staff? Who was it? There's only two people that have had accesses and they made it really fucking clear who those two people are. It's hotel staff and it's the police. Right. But I guess if he's security. Exactly. I don't know if they ever tested it. No one's ever come up with anything about it to say. And honest to God, these are the two biggest theories in this case. Because some people think that it was edited before police got there or that police edited it because whoever the security guy is is connected high up somewhere. Or and they're covering for him so if not what, edited by what is them. like the official Accidental. status of the case right now? Accidental closed. I, I, I couldn't find anything to tell me if it was open or not. But I, you'll see why I think I don't necessarily think I think it's undetermined. In 2018, Kanika's family filed a $50 million lawsuit against the hotel and others. The family's attorney argued that the hotel had means to lock off the kitchen er- the kitchen area from the guests as it had a pair of plywood doors and a padlock. He noted that the security camera had not recorded any footage uh, prior, as well as a list of other forms of negligence on the hotel's behalf and other people, including like law enforcement. Finally, in December of 2023, this was filed, bitch, in 2018, in a month ago, a literal month ago, in December of 2023, the lawsuit was settled for $10 million. 
the defendants were found to be negligent so the hotel and others the defendants were found to be negligent in properly securing the kitchen area refraining from shutting down an illegal party and failed to thoroughly check security camera footage once it had been officially determined that Jenkins was reported and considered a missing person so before it's a lot of money but it's it's never going to you know yeah no before we talk further I do want you to see the footage so I'm going to show it to you really quickly and then um, we'll come back on and we'll discuss because I want you guys to go watch it right now too and then I'll be done with my case okay so I we mean, just watched it it really does look like like we sat there and rewinded it a couple times because yeah. it really looks like she's talking to somebody yeah it's at like multiple points in it like if if I didn't if I didn't know that she didn't have her phone on her I would 100% think that she was on the phone with someone I'm just I'm guess I'm so confused on how it's possible for someone to get to that lower level service floor because without someone in, stopping you and you're in a hotel and it's not easily accessible through an elevator by any means and even staircases when you get to a lower level it doesn't like either it has like that chain rope employee mm-hmm. only you know yep. what I'm talking about or it just ends and there's a separate service staircase yeah where employees can only get through back through management office and there's or like, like a key that you have like a fob that yeah. you have to use to get in like there's this is 2017 there's a fob yeah it's not even like it was that long ago right you know i just the yeah, no it's eerie the details of it they don't make sense no and i someone's hiding something i do think that yeah 100 percent. so i and like I, even if it was just accidental, I think some there's something someone's hiding because, or or else this would make complete sense. Yeah, one hundred percent makes sense, but it doesn't. Right. If all the footage was handed and you see it step by step by step by step, mm-hmm. it's just and you see the police, or the management, and the police come in and find her like that. Try like that would make sense. And it's not like. But this why are is, we hiding that kind of stuff? It's not like it's. N- that we're not talking about a hotel here. Hotels are covered in cameras. Right. What, where is the rest of the footage? Yeah. It's just insane. Um, but. <sighs> that's well, that's it. really sad. Yeah. So I, I encourage you guys, if you want to learn more, to go and like do your own research. Uh, there are um, different like pages that keep people up to date with developments that are made. Um, and following the family members and supporting them as they f- uh, fight for answers for Kanika. So anyways, guys, I, I'm, I hope that if you hadn't heard this case, I'm so sorry it took me so long. I In my heart of hearts, I truly thought I had covered it. And, you know, I actually I, I understand the hesitancy on calling the police for so long by family. Me too. Because she's underage. They right. don't want to get her in they trouble. They don't want to get anyone in trouble. Right. Like if she was just like pass out somewhere like. Mm-hmm. I would want to wait because honestly, too, you don't want to believe that you're exactly your yeah. family member, your friend, your daughter, your sister is actually in like danger, danger. Right. You want to think in your you want to tell yourself like she probably is. I'm just you know, I just want to know where she's at. That's all I care right. about. And then like as time goes on and you realize no one's going to help you, not the hotel, not the police, like you fucking do what you have to do and you yeah. you knuckle down and you report her missing. Yeah. No matter what the consequences are for anybody. It's terrible, dude. It's terrible. Well, you did a great job. Love you guys. Love you guys. Um, We'll talk to you next Thursday. We're coming for a creepy count. So um, we're going to be recording that next Monday, the Monday before it comes out. So the Monday after you listen to this. So if you have a creepy count that you want to send in, you should send it in right fucking now. Should we request anything? Do you have anything that you want to request? Not off the top of my head. 
Hmm. Will you guys tell us what we should request? Yeah. Please tell us. And then, hey, let's do that. Because, guys, our um, creepy accounts are so mapped out for the next few months leading up to Morgan's wedding and during, like, up until May. So we can tell you if you have this story to send it in at this exact date and we can get, like, topics. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun thing to look forward to. Yeah. I, I love how I'm acting like we don't get creepy I accounts. think I want for February, hear me out on this. Okay, I'm ready. Like, mm, love. But it's coming out on your birthday. Is it? Okay, yeah. Or no, we didn't. We didn't. We couldn't. Remember, I think we moved it. I think so we love. I think we had to move it. So love. Like a love creepy account, but like also like like horror. Like, like not like- Romeo and Juliet. But like my husband, I think was possessed. Or oh, okay. So like I dreamed crazy of, shit with your partner. Yeah, yeah, crazy shit with the person that you love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crazy your shit with the person that you love. Yeah, like one hundred percent. That's a great one for February. Yeah. What about for your wedding month, April? Oh God. Positive reinforcement on <laughs> marriage. Mm, no, 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 we got it. How about we dedicated to Ollie? Yeah, we could dedicate Dog it to Ollie. Stuff. Dog animals. Animals. We'll, we'll shop that one shop that one for sure the creepy partners creepy partners creepy partners creepy Tell partners, creepy partners that for february that you love. february is gonna be creepy partners january we don't have one but make this one where you fight for your topic yeah yeah january creepy account read me now great or great um what are they called not catchphrases clickbait we want clickbait click- i want all the clickbait in the world that's clickbait how you guys january. get me just so you know yeah, yeah me too yeah, I want this to be like finale. Yeah, if I see a good title, immediately Boom. clickbait the Google Doc. That is the uh, January clickbait us. Yeah, yeah, and tell us what other topics we should uh, request. Okay, we're gonna let you go now. Love you, bye. Love you, bye.